1: Hello and welcome to the Guitar Nerds Podcast. I'm your host Mark Packham and joining me this evening we have Matthew Knight. Hello. And Joseph Branton. Hello. This Google Hangouts thing is not quite working out as planned is it? With some small technical hitches I promise that next week You'll uh, actually spend five minutes thinking about it. It's not that; it's that Matt's never around to set true. it up.
2: That is true. Um, Just a flying I, visit from him. I uh, we, we should <laughs> we should try Skype and FaceTime. Yeah, we can do that. Maybe we can find some strange, like obscure uh, communication device. I like letting Facebook. That under- yeah, yeah, Facebook. That's
1: obscure, isn't it? That very. How is everyone? Technical difficulties aside, Matt Knight, how's things going? Yeah, good. Uh
3: I've got to see Larry Carlton yesterday. Uh that was good fun. Um he's an amazing player and I got to see although I didn't get to play it, I got to see his sixty eight three three five, the one that they've based his signature on. Um and yeah, it's absolutely
1: amazing. Nice, nice. Um what uh, was he playing it at the event?
3: Yeah, so he was just doing he was just playing that through um just a just an overdrive, a delay, a wah pedal, and then into a Fender 65 reverb, and it was just like one of the best jazz sounds and some of the best blue sounds I think I've ever heard. And that three three five just looked absolutely amazing. And because he was only doing a clinic and his tech was still with him, so his tech was doing all the setup still. Um, so I just well, thought, it even must though be amazing it's just to an amp and a couple of, of pedals, yeah amazing yeah. yeah his tech even like restrung it and like everything backstage and had everything warmed up and was like oh no i'm not happy with the sound of this and moving the mics around i thought it must be amazing to have like a full-time tech that basically follows you around all the time
1: what sort of um what sort of stuff is he doing was he with a band or was he just on his own backing tracks
3: no it was just him and it, actually it was just it was just a really good q a session he played along to some tracks um but he was just just answering a lot just a load of questions um because i mean he's been a recording artist for over 50 years um and uh yeah he, he was he answered a lot of questions and he answered a lot of tw- questions very truthfully um kind of like people were like oh you know how how can i be like a really successful session musician he's like you can't he's like there's not enough work it's like it's got to be the hardest thing that you could ever do you know and um people were like oh but you know how much should i practice and he was like i don't know i don't practice (laughs) it was it was was odd but at least he was like really really honest about it
1: imagine getting to that point where you're just like yeah i'm successful people just call me up and you
2: like don't really have to work for it anymore you know albert lee said much the same thing at um at uh, another sort of recent event where he was talking about session musicianing and how that that sort of market has really dried up at the moment it seems to be yeah. a or was it or was it albert lee or no it was um nathan nathan east. nathan east yeah that was it
1: similar thing he i mean he was just saying that for you know someone who plays guitar like a guitar session player um it's really difficult because you know people can just you know grab loops or you know do synthy stuff um and kind of build up layers that way and you kind of don't necessarily <laughs> need a guitar in the mix anymore
3: yeah, he was saying that you know a lot of times now, as a session guy, someone will just send you a WAV file that's a backing track, and you'll just load it into Pro Tools, sit in your studio for half an hour, write, do a bit, send it back, and it's like, well, what are they paying you for? They're paying you for half an hour's work.
1: You, you know, it's, you're um, not going to earn the big money that way.
3: No, no, no. So it was it was really interesting, really. I mean, he was saying that that sort of time passed, and that. You know, people are doing a lot more recording at home, and it's it's yeah, it's a whole different thing now. Um, but yeah, it was really good. He talked about his signature three three five a little bit as well, um, and was he didn't read. I wanted him to talk about the amps that he um, he uses, but he didn't really want to go into it. He's endorsed by a company called uh, I think they're called Blue Toe amps or Blue Tone amps. Um, and they're like Dumble clones, but they start at like $5,000 and each one is built to custom order. So like all the specs are changeable. They basically build each
1: one to how you want it. So completely affordable and available to everyone, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, in, a, in a shop near you soon.
1: Yes. <laughs> Not one you're going to be seeing in your uh, neighborhood high street guitar shop. no,
3: no. no.
1: Um, so what um, else did but he, then he said the Fender came close did he talk much about like how the industry's changed in terms of like gear or anything like that did he talk about maybe like his pedal board and... no, no I
3: think he's one of those guys that's kind of like I mean he's always played a 335 and I mean he's even got a song called Room 335 so I think he's kind of really set in the gear that he, he played a Princeton for a while because that was the main thing you could get in like the early 70s then he played a boogie for like 25 years because he was like, that's the best thing out there. Um, and then he got hold of Dumble and he'd used Dumble pretty much ever ever since. Um, but then the Dumble kind of became too expensive to take on the road. Um, but I think he's always been like, no, I had one amp and that was kind of it. I, I think he's sort of very much like, I'm just, that's my setup and that's my sound and and that's what I want.
1: On the other end of the spectrum, um, from seeing one of the most famous session musicians in the world talk about his £5,000 amp, you went to a boot fair this weekend. Um, was there any... uh a boot any,
2: sale? A boot fair. A boot fair. That sounds really American. Yeah, boot fair. Boot, boot, boot sale. Boot fair, innit? Uh, Go down the boot. Yeah, it, it was... Um...
3: So It was it was weird because I was like, oh, you never know what you might find. And like all I found was a couple of old uh, keyboards. They weren't even Casio keyboards. So they weren't even like marginally good. Um, so that was a shame. But I did see a woman sell uh, cars, cut uh, cars, clothes out of her Ferrari. So it was the ultimate boot sale. So like, yeah, I'm just going to turn about this boot sale in my Ferrari.
1: Have you ever found anything? They don't at- even
3: have a boot. That's where the engine is.
1: Have you ever found anything at boot sale? Um,
3: I think I, um, guitar wise, no, apart from, I think I found a Squire once. What was the other brand that Fender had? Sun? Yeah,
2: Sun. Yeah, yeah, that was a brand.
3: The little Sun Strats. And I was like, oh yeah, this looks like a Strat. And I picked it up and it was just like, it clearly been in a cupboard for like 20 years. And I was like, oh, it's, not even, it's not even worth 20 quid. Um But I think we, I think the problem is, is that eBay sort of destroyed that for a lot of things like, you know. If you find a guitar in a cupboard, it's easy to just go on eBay or go on Google and be like, what is this guitar? And, you know. So I think the the chances of finding things like that are less and less.
1: I was hoping that you'd
2: found some sort of treasure. Have you ever found anything at Booty? No, no, certainly nothing ever guitar related. I tend to avoid those. I don't really like boot fairs. I don't like mixing with common people. But um, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, my girlfriend did, actually. Um, she uh, went to a car boot sale and found a uh, a Roland Juno 6 synthesizer. Really? Yeah. and um, Totally wow. broken. No, no, no. Completely working. They were selling it saying um, uh, for, I think, 30 quid, um, saying, you know, it, all the lights come on and everything, but no sound. Oh, uh, because there's Cause, no speakers. Because they thought it was an all-in-one yeah, 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 thing. Yeah, 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 so, yeah. And kept very uh, uh, and uh, Has she still got that? 30 quid. Uh, I think she uh, donated it to um, a recording studio in Chichester that she uses. Oh, okay. Cool. Defo nicked.
1: Defo nicked.
2: Probably <laughs> not, though.
1: That sort of thing is like, you might find it if you didn't know what you are looking at and go, oh, it turns on, push the keys, oh, there's no sound coming out. It's
2: useless. Yeah. It's absolutely- no, actually, oh. I
3: did find a small You found a what? So I was going. I found a little Casio keyboard once at a car boot sale, and the woman had taped the speakers over with gaffer tape because she got fed up of her son hitting the same key.
1: Nice. Over
3: and over again. She was like, seriously, just take it, 50p, whatever. I was like, yeah, sure, I'll take it for 50p.
1: Don't ask me how I ended up at this point, but at the weekend, I was looking for Casio keyboard demo versions of Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go by Wham!, Because that was the one that was always on the Casio keyboards when we were kids. And uh, (laughs) it's pretty special. And you realise that when you listen to it now, um, it uses loads of the different sounds on the keyboard. And these are like really rubbish keyboards where you could only have one sound on at once. So the demo they shot off with, totally pointless. Couldn't do it. Impossible. Um, (laughs) Dude... (laughs) do check that out
2: uh for a bit of 80s nostalgia um what else been going on this week Joe Branton um well let's see I think um I think last week I spoke to you guys about the fact that I wanted to get a fretless bass did I speak to you about that last week uh I think you were toying with the idea oh right okay well yeah I mean this week I got hold of uh um ESP well uh, Selectron who who distribute ESP yeah. in the UK and um and they, they are flying me over because they didn't have any. Um, Where are they flying you to? No, they're flying me over a, uh, an, a, an ESP LTD Vintage 204 fretless. Is that a uh, Jazz 204? Uh, it's a, it's a P-Bass with a Jazz pickup as well. So nice. it's Sunburst, Torque Guard. It's completely unlined um, fretless bass, with, but with, with dot markers on every single fret. And uh, yeah, that's pretty good. I'm pretty happy with that because there were none around. Um, so they, they are flying me one over and selling me that one I don't think I've ever seen one of those so. really cool um, I I, um, I got to try one out uh, recently in a guitar shop and uh, um, it was I was shocked at how much better it was than um, the vintage modified the Squire vintage modified P bass which is roughly the same price okay and you get the extra jazz pickup in in the ESP in the LTD it's just, it's just such a better instrument. The neck is much thicker and fuller and kind of squared off at the back, which is really useful for sort of fretless playing. It allows you to keep your form a little... Well, I've, I tend to find it does. And, you know, because it's an unlined fretless, it just looks cooler.
1: Yeah, I, f- I don't know how I feel about the... I mean, I would be utterly, utterly useless without the markers on there. Oh, but you've got a
2: dot on every fret. No,
1: but still confusing. Oh. Not, not really. Especially if you're thrashing it
2: around. Yeah, I mean that is that is going to be my problem because I thrash around. But we'll find out. Do I guess. any
1: any bass players, famous bass players who use fretless, do they use them for like
2: more aggressive stuff? Uh well, um I mean, you know, one of my biggest heroes Juan Alderete oh, yeah. Pia. Yeah, he's having a new couple of names. No, no, that's his fault. I mean, if you go back to the 80s, <laughs> he was called John Alderette. Uh, <laughs> and as uh, when he joined the Mars Volta, he was suddenly Juan Alderette. And gradually, as their albums continued, he gained more names. And he's right. now Juan Alderette de la Pia. But, okay. uh, Um But yeah, he actually plays a PJ, a sunburst a uh, pj with a torque guard and a um i think it's an ebony neck on his his was unlined but he had lines put on it because of how much he throws himself around he okay. just couldn't keep track i just can't
1: imagine that if you're like thrashing it about and then just being like oh i must remember where i am roughly on the the board yeah i don't know
2: you see it you see it done with like loads of like rockabilly double bass players you know that's true they but, managed to sort of. They throw themselves around a bit.
1: Yeah, I just think the double bass is a bit more scope for being like, not quite in tune. Do you know what I mean? The yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I think you got you can get away with it. A yeah, bit well more.
2: we'll see. We'll see. I mean, it's not very expensive. It's not very expensive bass at all. So, um, so hopefully it will it work. But I'm not too fast if it doesn't.
1: I'm quite looking forward to watching videos of you completely
2: confused about oh, what you're playing. I know it's going to be bad, <laughs> but um that there, there is um there's a really good video that um juan juan Aldred has a, a youtube channel and, and a website called uh pedals and effects you're the juan that i want oh my god i hate. You. I am the juan and only <laughs> you can't just only use it as that word you have to come up with others uh yeah. i don't know is it, is it something like wonderful yeah something?
1: good Wonderful bass playing
2: yeah anyway uh so he runs pedalsandeffects.com, com uh, which is a great website uh which everyone should check out because he, he reviews loads of um, effects and stuff for for guitars it's, it's not just a a bass channel in fact it's it's um you know pretty much half and half he does a lot of stuff with um I've forgotten the guy's name the the guitarist from terra melos are
1: you saying that it's neither one nor the other oh my god <laughs> oh <laughs>
2: you're terrible but uh but yeah he does lots of demos on there and um he does a great demo on why he talks about why uh fretless bass is better if you're going to be using loads and loads of effects and he demonstrates like all those little you can be semi out tune, notes. basically well all all those little weird semi notes that you get with like weird synth pedals and stuff that you just don't get on a fretted instrument. yeah where
1: score. they're not
2: tracking correctly and they just kind of crap out a little bit yeah yeah
1: um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about this week, uh, Download
2: Festival. How much of an eye had you been keeping on it? Um, well, actually, considering that I was there last year, um, I didn't know until this morning <laughs> that it was last weekend. <laughs> I was in Sweden, so I didn't um, I didn't see any of it. Um, so unfortunately, I'm going to be absolutely useless. Good, with, uh, good. Sort of segueing any information out of Download Festival. I mean, as usual, it, it was very good. I mean, I remember like last time I was there, there was. A, and and I was there with Total Guitar um, interviewing a lot of the, the big bands there. And I was shocked at the sort of guitars that I was seeing at a, a festival like Down. And I think we all spoke about it. Um, but the um, the fact that I was seeing loads of Gibson and loads of PRS. And yep. they were not brands that I expected to see being very predominant at a, a you know a largely metal festival.
1: That seemed very much the same this year, actually. just The, the only reason I really know that Download was on um, is from Marshall's Instagram. Marshall yeah. was just everywhere at Download. Really? Um, it
2: seems like they've really stepped up their game in <laughs> terms of like... One of the festivals they've managed to keep hold of then because yeah, Orange yeah. is sort of bowling them out of the water. They're taking over all the festivals that they used to have backlines.
1: I saw that uh, one of your team was at Golden Gods this week. Yeah. Um and loads of orange there. I think they're like the main sponsor. they are right, the mate? main sponsor. Um, That's
2: in fact it was orange that gave us the tickets, not okay.
1: not Metal Hammer. But, right. Yeah. Fine. Um but yeah, uh, Download Marshall seemed to be really on top of it. There were like loads of photos from backstage. Slash was there obviously promoting uh, a huge amount of Marshall stuff. It was really cool to see them kind of back in the uh in the frame really. Um in terms of, you know, a major kind of festival appearance well they've
2: got some cool exciting stuff coming out this year Marshall I think we might see them sort of trying to step back into the limelight a little bit
1: I saw a a demo another demo on the um 800 JCM 800 reissue and it sounded really good I'm really into it I'm glad they kind of brought that back um Matt have you had a chance to spend much time with the 800 uh no no um I have seen that there's some new Marshall stuff
3: coming out. Actually, the only, thing that I, the only new thing I've plugged in is the new orange uh, overdrive pedal. It's the only new thing oh, I've yeah. plugged in this week.
2: That's wicked.
1: The Backspan guitar.
3: Yeah, possibly the worst name ever for a guitar oh, pedal. I don't know. that There's um, one but, yeah.
1: later on uh, that we're going to talk about today that might have a worse name than that. What were your impressions on the, uh, the Backspan guitar? <laughs>
3: Yeah, it's it's really good. Uh, basically, it's great if you want the orange sound but don't want an orange amp. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like the Crush Pro in a box, really. Which is um, kind of my problem.
2: So here, you... I don't know who wouldn't want an
1: orange amp. Yeah, but I mean, not everyone can afford everything. What if you've got like a Blues Junior or it, something? It's, you... it's a near
2: 300-pound yeah. drive pedal. Yeah, I know, but I mean... It costs more than a Crush Pro. That's true. I but... suppose the idea is that you're supposed to have it afford to maybe have
3: like a valve orange amp you can use the cab sim out and then use it for you know going straight into
1: your desk i hadn't thought about that i'm looking for quite a um a decent little solution for sort of like desktop recording and that might actually work like the cab sim on it sounds pretty good um yeah that's a that's kind of a good option um uh, but, but you got a tube
3: master? yeah you
1: i have just, but just go it would mean, like, lugging it into the other room, though. Like, I just want something that can sit on my desk uh, in the bedroom so I can just do some recording um, yeah. and not have to lug an amp around the flat. I mean, I know it's like a 5-watt little combo, but still, um, it's all set up there. Now my pedal board. I, I would have that. I, would,
3: um, I like that drive pedal, but if I was going to have something like that, I'd use the um, Sans Amp Classic GT, Um just basically like the version of a Sansamp, really. But they just—they sound so good. I've—I've I've played a couple of gigs with them straight into a PA, and they sound amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah. I just—you know—I've—I've I've used those a fair few times in the past. I just fancy something a bit different. The Orange uh, sounds like a good option. Anything else to discuss before we head in some news this week? Uh, no, I'm good. Matt let No. Let's news no. it. Let's news it. And it's been a big week for news, actually. Like. I started up I've started making the running order for the playlist uh, this morning and I was like I don't think anything's happened this week and actually it turns out loads of stuff has happened um firstly today TC Polytune Clip.
2: Yeah, this is actually the biggest deal that shouldn't be a big deal and that I don't give a crap about <laughs> that's ever happened. Like, <laughs> well, apparently. Last, last this... week
1: they had that big marketing thing and we guessed on the podcast. Yeah. We were like, oh, it could be this, could be this, maybe a new
2: pedal. Um, turns out it's a clip on tuner. A clip on tuner. But get, this is the most amount of money that TC have ever put into promoting a product. Really? This is their biggest promoting promotion push of all time. Like, they it's are...
3: It's been like two years in the making, is not it?
2: I don't care. <laughs> it's a clip-on tuner, but I do appreciate that it's a clip-on tuner for 35 quid. But I today was the first day, day that they were on sale and um, lots of people were buying them. I didn't know that they were 35 quid. That
1: is pretty incredible, really, because yeah. even like fairly crap clip on tuners are 20 quid so if you can get because it looks really good it does all the stuff that the uh, polytune stuff will do all the polytune tuners will do um but obviously in a really nice led headstock tuner yeah 35 quid actually i was expecting they were like 59 quid or something like that 35 quid sounds really reasonable matt did you get a chance to watch the video? uh what the
3: not the t- the video that they've released today
1: yeah yeah that one was it today yeah no
3: i haven't i i've seen a couple of pictures of it and i've seen some other reviews um and it looks really really good like i've always got a clip on tuna handy um i use one of the little cool pitch
2: clips actually and how much are they
3: one of these Ten pounds tenner yeah exactly yeah but they're not they're not super accurate like you could definitely have one of those on your guitar all the time and then not have a tuner on your pedal board
2: what, for people that don't move around when they play live? A, a, a pitch clip's just going to fly off. Uh, you you have not know. I've not seen a
3: gig, so I wouldn't know.
2: <laughs> you haven't seen
1: the clip on the TC one, though. It looks like a bulldog clip. It looks like super, like, it looks like there's loads of tension there, basically. Um, so I wonder if they're kind of doing it with that in mind.
2: Yeah, I mean, maybe. Yeah, I mean, look, it's probably really well designed. It's definitely going to work really well. Are you ever going to tr- trust it as much as plugging in a tuner on the floor? Probably not, and I'm not sure it's it's more expensive than a a clip-on tuner. Yeah, you can get a clip-on tuner that works for a tenor, and it's not that much less than a cheap floor pedal tuner. For me, it just puts it in an odd place. It's an odd thing to be raving about. I just I don't get it. You haven't in the video. The display is wonderful. I, I did I was going to watch the video. I did start watching it. Unfortunately my, my hands just started um making a noose for myself and and, and throwing it over the the table. So I, I decided to stop. Watching. I honestly think you should watch the video because I think you might
1: change your mind about the fact that it's a bit more money than like a pitch clip. It is way better than a pitch clip. It looks proper. Um and I kind of understand why they're getting behind it. Is because there's definitely a gap in the market. It's like a jump between handheld tuners at like 10 and 20 quid and then a pedal tuner starting, I guess, at 59. Um, 35 quid is definitely the right price point. I think they're going to do loads with this. I think it's a really... Intelligent little product.
2: I have been proved wrong today. They they are flying out. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, that does not surprise me. Um, Another big bit of news this week. This kind of came totally out of the blue. I just sort of came home and it popped up. Line 6 have announced the Helix multi effects pedal. Yeah. Yeah. What do you guys make of this? Matt Knight, have you had a good chance to give it a look? Well, the thing is, it's not a multi effects
3: unit. It is basically their take on the axe effects because it's it's amp modeling it's it's everything that an axe effects does everything that a kemper does mi- minus the, the profiling in um in either a floor or a rack unit the only thing i can't get my head around is is the floor unit is going to be about 1500 quid the rack unit is going to be the same price but then you have to spend an extra 500 quid on the floor controller um so I don't know whether the rack unit will do something different that the floor unit doesn't do. I
2: think that um, a, a rack unit it's... format is still surely more desirable, though. It's going to yeah. be surely
1: it's going to be like balanced in and out. It's like the things that they've always done on Pod Pro. But um, have you seen the outputs on the on the foot controller? That the, like I can't think of anything else they can't put
3: on the the foot controller that they haven't already put on it.
1: Um, um, what about things like digital output, MIDI? It's um, all on the foot controller. it's it? Well, it's all, it's, all on the floor,
3: it's all on the floor unit, yeah. Um, the amazing thing about it is it's all hands-free editing. So if you want to like, oh, I want to turn down the bass, you just hit bass control, and then you can use the
1: expression pedal to move the controls up and down. So the idea is that you edit all your sounds hands-free. And touch-sensitive buttons as well, is that right? So you can like push the... I don't really yeah. know how that's going to work. Would you like push it down halfway or something, or you turn it? I don't really... I don't understand, but
3: yeah, I don't know if the, I don't, I you know until until I think we manage to get a chance to to look at one and review one, we're never going to know fully. But some of the sounds sound really good, and what I think you can do on it that you can't do on things like the Axe Effects is patch in your own effects as well. So there's like four effects loops, so in your own you know sounds that you're creating, you can still patch in your own effects. Um, Was this? Do we think all like coloured screen?
1: Do we think this is part of the long game uh, with the Yamaha buying Line 6? Do you think they kind of went, look, you guys are creating great sounds and you've done this for years. You know about the modelling side of things, um, but maybe the products have kind of fallen by the wayside a bit. Do you think Yamaha basically have gone, look, all our stuff is really functional, um, you know, on their, I'm thinking of their kind of synths and stuff. They've ne- they haven't been very fashionable for the last few years, but they've always had loads of features. Yeah. Do you think they've bought Line 6 well, and they- gone, look, let's, let's make... We know how to design the product, but our stuff generally sounds a bit boring. Why don't you design the sounds, we'll design the product, and that's kind of what the Helix is. That's yeah. what it seems to me. But-
3: I think so, because I think, you know, and we've said it before on like previous podcasts that line six, you know, especially like eight, 10 years ago, their R&D department was like, how many times can we re- rehash a pod? Like how many times can we put a hash, uh, a pod in a different box and, and call it something else? And, you know, the Firehawk is really, really nice, but it's effectively the same thing as the amplifier, but it's just the effects and it's in a foot controller. Um, so this is kind of like, I think they've been working on it for quite a while, but yeah, it seems like someone's gone, actually, you know what, we need to do something completely different here. Interestingly,
1: um, no just- no mention of like app control or anything like that, like none of the Line 6 editing is all on the unit.
0: Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash acast and use code ACAST for twenty percent off your first purchase.
1: Yeah, there's no like yeah. Bluetooth connections. Do you know or- what? I think that makes it
3: sound more professional. because um, I think Definitely. as soon as you start getting apps involved and in Bluetooth, it it kind of
1: I don't know it it cheapens it in a way. 100%. Um, yeah, I um I'm really really glad that they've uh, not gone for Oh, here's the Helix app. Uh or certainly not yet, you know, it might come down the pipe um later on, but uh yeah, I think it looks like they've really for the first time in a long time really assessed the guitar market rather than the lifestyle product market, which I think is where they were going much more with Amplify. Mm. Now they've gone, okay, what's doing well in guitars? Axe Effects, Kemper, um, you know, those kind of high end digital processing, whether it's on the floor or whether it's on a rack. And that's what Helix is, it seems. Yeah,
3: I think the edge that they'll have, certainly over things like Kemper and Axe Effects, is that I think they've got Line 6 have got a really rich history of, um, you know, distortions, modulations, delays, reverbs. And I think the actual effects in there will be much better. Than say some of the effects that are in the Kemper, um, I think you know got a lot of history that they can kind of build on. So I've got I've got high hopes. I think it'll be a really really good unit.
1: I think so too. I think it's good to see Line Six going back to their roots a bit, almost like I say like steering away from the more lifestyley products and going to uh, something that's very much guitar focused. Matt Knight, tell me what you know about the ACK pad. Uh Not a lot. Is that the
3: the one that was going around on the, the sort of viral video recently with the guy with the acoustic and he's like playing the drums yeah, and that's the one. beats.
1: It is exactly
3: that. Um, it's just another MIDI controller for a guitar that no one, everyone will buy and then everyone will go, oh, I don't sound anything like that video. And then it will go in the cupboard and get dusty.
1: It's one of those things, isn't it, <laughs> that, where they the videos make things look so good because these people have obviously had loads of time to practice and they've kind of built the product for that job that they want to do and they show it off. Um, yeah. But this one actually, the, what I like about the ACK pad is that it, there's no like extra fitting required. It literally just kind of like sticks to the guitar body and then it's touch sensitive um, on the actual, yeah, I mean, it's kind of fabric
3: Yeah, it's weird because with all these sort of things like I was talking to uh, someone at Fender and I didn't realise that the Fishman triple play Strat has already been discontinued. Um, And I just, I I think no matter what they do, I think it's just going to be another gimmick. Um, And there are some people out there doing stuff with MIDI, but I just, I think the thing is, is that these sort of products give no instant gratification whatsoever. Um, So you, you kind of plug them in and there's so much setup involved that you know, there's no sounds built into your computer or anything like that. You know, you've got to create all these. You've got to hook up to a soft synth, and I think there's just so much effort involved that people are like, "Actually, I, do you know what? I can't be bothered."
1: So, what people really need is just play the guitar a bit more on that.
3: Yeah, I mean, just buy more yeah. effects. That's what's so good about, about about effects pedals is that they're instantly like, "Yeah, cool." I step on the distortion, and my the, guitar sounds distorted. The you know? the
2: thing with these these sort of MIDI adaptation things for guitars is that guitar is an instrument that requires two hands to play and so as soon as you introduce something that requires a third hand it it is never going to work as well as you know just having some really interesting yeah. pedals on the floor
1: yeah i completely agree and also just maybe just like play the guitar a bit more instead of having drums and beatbox sounds and stuff. All right, Grandad. Yeah, Yeah, I'm old, you know, I'm old. (laughs) Um, Let's do one more bit of news this week, because I know, Matt, that you're very, very excited about this week. Uh, About this week? You're very excited about this bit of news this week. Um, Dodd have reintroduced the Gonculator and Meatbox pedals um, as their kind of ongoing (laughs) reissue series. Now, uh, I mentioned that there would be a silly name in this podcast. Tell us about the Gonculator.
3: The Gonculator is the old Dodd grunge distortion that they released in nineteen. Uh, it was the early nineties, um, but they then built a ring modulator into it. Because I think there was it wasn't there like a story. I think we talked about before that they gave um, Kurt, Cobain Kurt Cobain a grunge had pedal, one, yeah, and, and then he threw it into the crowd. He was like. <laughs> Why do I want this? Yeah. Um, but that was, it must have been, I think it was the early 90s, all these sort of pedals came out. And I think the great thing about the Dollar's, they've kind of gone, oh, yeah, all these that we used to make are kind of going for loads of money. So maybe if we make some reissues, we might actually make some more money. Um, and yeah, they're because the meat box, I think the meat box is going for about 200 to 250 quid on the second hand market. Yeah. That's crazy. The meat box is amazing.
2: I've got a, um, I've got a, a, a meatbox have you? Uh, copycat. Oh okay. um made by Gehura, those oh, yeah, that, yeah. That Scottish pedal. But yeah, it's it's the most amazing fuzz.
3: Yeah, it's 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 weird because it's you know, there's pedals out there now that you can pay two, three hundred quid for that have done some thing like, oh this op- fuzz, and those sort of pedals have been around for ages. Um and yeah, the gonculator, I nearly bought one a couple of weeks ago Um, and I know a friend of mine actually just bought an old one Um, and I was like yes I can't believe they finally decided to reissue it because it's such an awesome sounding pedal Um, but all those sort of pedals kind of like faded into obscurity because I think they were just a bit too weird and wacky when pedals weren't really a popular thing in like the early 90s Um, and yeah they've sort of all faded away and it's only kind of a few people that have kind of like kept it alive really.
1: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to them. There's some demos up and stuff online already and the Gonculator just sounds absolutely bonkers uh, or bonculator, if you will. Um, <laughs> uh, I just really like it. Like you said, I like the dot are just doing weird and wonderful stuff again because I think they realise, like, apart from the overdrive preamp they do, the 250, the like yellow box one, they're not going to compete by just doing like drive pedals and stuff, are they? So why not do weird no. stuff that there's obviously a market for because of the eBay values. And I think there'll be a really
3: good, there'll be a really good price. I'd imagine they will probably be like a hundred quid or something like that. Um,
2: you know, I, we, I just think what a cool pedal. Do we know when they're coming out? No.
1: They've, Dodd um, themselves haven't actually like... Dodd are quite rubbish with like putting out announcements and their website and stuff. So um the reason that I know that they're out there is like some guys on the gear page mentioned it and there's some video demos of like I assume their early production samples or something like that. Um because they're not actually for sale in shops yeah, yet thing. by the sound of things. Um no. yeah, I can't find anything out there. But yeah, exciting stuff. Um Dodd seem to be uh kind of riding high on their kind of nineties nostalgia that's going on at the moment. Awesome. It's all All good. Um, Chap, should we do some questions? Why not? Questions. So Moog says, putting my Strymon timeline in the effects loop of my Marshall TSL 112 JCM 2000 produces a lot of noise, making it unusable. I've tried pushing in the switch thingy on the back, which is supposed to help for pedals, but it's just two stages of hiss. I have a feeling it's electrical interference, but that's pretty poop if so, uh, as you're always going to have something. Mind you, uh, it might not be as bad uh, if I put the effects in front of the amp. So noisy effects loop, Matt. Any ideas? Um, Yeah, I've I've actually spoken to a few
3: people about this um, before, and I think some effects loops just kick out more power um I know that a friend uh, of mine's got an old Soldano and he can't run anything through the effects loop, basically. any Even though it's there, like any delays or reverbs, they're just distort, they're just too noisy and they're just like, they're too high gain. Um And that could well be it. I mean, you might be creating a ground loop if you're using, um depending on what power supplies you're using. But I would certainly try it in the front end and see if that makes a difference. But I think... With the timeline, isn't there some sort of dry analog dry through so you can, uh, for use in effects loops? I think there's a specific setting in this in the unit itself for effects loops, so I don't know whether that might help.
1: What's that doing? Is that blending in more of the original dry signal or something?
3: No, I think it's cutting all of the dry signal out, um, so you're basically. Because it's going through the preamp and the pat to the power amp, I think it's just feeding that signal um, into the wet signal and then f- like mixing it back into the power amp. Um, I can't quite remember because I'll need to have a look at the manual. But I'm sh- almost certain in the global menu there's a setting for effects loops or or something. I will I will look into it further and reply on the Facebook group. I think um, otherwise I'll talk for ages about parallel effects loops.
1: Uh, that's you're more than entitled to do that Matt you can talk for as long as you want about parallel effects loops maybe not I think
3: it might get incredibly boring
1: (laughs) maybe that's a solo podcast that you should be doing that's the first offshoot podcast that we do from this uh in if anyone wants to uh wants to hear that facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash guitar nerds forum uh just let us know that you want to hear Matt's pedal weekly or something ridiculous um (laughs) <laughs> Phil says, "What is the equivalent Epiphone to a Squire Classic Vibe, and which is best value given current Epi discounts?" So, Joe Branton, top. Yeah, I guess we're talking about top of the Epiphone range.
2: Well, it, I mean, Epiphone aren't especially clear. Uh, kind of, there's, there's no, they, they don't name things as specifically, I guess, as Squire do with, um, with, with you know, vintage modified and Classic Vibe and things like that. They do, however, however, do. Loads of occasionally weird, really cool things that they sometimes mantle in the the, the pro series. Yes. So um, it, recently we had things like um, the ES one seven five, which uh, you know was was the 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 gorgeous sort of Gibson ES one seven five style body with Gibson pickups and I think Gibson hardware. I, I might be wrong. Some sort of with upgraded yeah. hardware. Certainly upgraded hardware and and Gibson pickups, and in a lovely like satin natural finish, you could also get it in a in a sunburst, which you know looks 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 great as well of course you know that that's going to be um a, a poly rather than a nitro so it's it's obviously an epiphone in the sunburst, but in the natural finish, it looks absolutely brilliant and you've got Gibson pickups on it as well so things like that anything in the pro series there's loads of pro series les Pauls, aren't there Matt Knight? yeah um
3: i think that that's like their big thing that they're focusing on now um and it seems to have overtaken some of like everything seems to be pro something because they're doing pro two sheratons um but yeah it's, it, it gives you just a little bit more flexibility coil taps upgraded hardware um it, it seems all to be honest it seems almost pointless just buying a normal epiphone as paul standard
2: yeah, especially with the the Epiphone sale that's going on at the moment, um, sort of UK wide, is is crazy. Sort of off the back of uh, Les Paul's hundredth birthday, uh, it seems. There's been this massive reduction on on Epiphones across the board, which is great. Certainly on the on the bass pr- front, you've got access to things like the the, the Pro Series Thunderbird. Um, which is brilliant. They do in. I love it when Les Paul played one of those. Yeah, he brilliant. Was, he he was loved great. that. He was all <laughs> over that. <laughs> the Alpine White uh, uh, Thunderbird was yep. amazing. Yeah. And um, of course, you have got the Jack Cassidy as well, which is one of one of the only must be one of the only Epiphone instruments that hits like a professional standard. Like um, Paul McCartney's bass player plays an yep. Epiphone Jack Cassidy. Yeah. And you know, it's it's it must be one of the few. It's, I mean, it is. 600 quid sort of normal retail, um, so yeah, I mean, you know, and to be able to get one of those in the sale as well is brilliant, but yeah, it's it's sort of across the board at the moment.
1: It's not quite an equivalent to a classic vibe, is it really? No, it's not when really. You start getting
2: up there. What do they, um,
1: what else do they do for the sort of like two to three hundred pound mark on the base front? Because
2: Thunderbirds are there, aren't they? They're like 200 quid, yeah, that's right. You can get a, a, a basic Thunderbird, but I wouldn't because it's a bolt on, and I think it misses the point of what yep. a Thunderbird needs to be to make that sort of body shape work um i mean they they still do the most affordable coolest space on the market they do the ebo so um which not even gibson really do at the moment because the the sg base that gibson do has to come with that sidewinder pickup in the oh yeah in, in the, the bridge. bridge which is yeah. not what was on the the original ebos and so if you want kind of a reissue of that classic jack bruce style bass then actually for 150 quid um uh epiphone do a really good one with the ebo so i mean i think that's that's pretty sound the ebo eb3 are great epiphone also bought an own um Tobias. Tobias, thank you. Yep. Yeah, and renamed it, well, they just call them Tobies now, don't they? Yeah, Epiphone the, that's Toby. the series, I think, isn't yeah, it? The, yeah, exactly, yeah. which are incredible sort of build quality, ridiculously affordable, like 200-pound, £200, sub-200-pound £200 bases. so they're always, always worth a shout. Uh, to be honest, Epiphone at the moment, with the amount of stuff they're doing across the board on guitars and basses, with a sale on everything, has just made them like the best thing you should everyone should get an Epiphone at the moment if you've got like two to three hundred quid and you're thinking of throwing it at something to play around with there are so many cool and interesting things even like how cheap Epiphone Wildcats are at the moment oh yeah stuff. you were talking about getting one weren't you yeah yeah, yeah. I, I am thinking about it they're, they're, really, they're really affordable and really cool and really different it's just it's a really good time to buy one of the weirder things in the Epiphone yeah. catalogue uh, for not much money how much is a casino these days? A swingster.
1: Oh, how much is a swingster? Have they come down loads? Look. I think. My, I think. I think the only thing that's really in
3: deal at the moment is the twenty fifteen Les Paul range, um, but swingsters are still like five hundred quid, and considering that the hollow bodied Gretches are about seven hundred and seventy, um, I think they're like an amazing guitar for the money. Um, but with the casino, they've just bought out. Um, well actually I think they've been out for a while, but they pay. Um the three three nine size one. It's just like such a cool guitar for
1: the money. Three hundred and fifty quid. Uh, I just I don't get on with those smaller ones. I want like a full a proper casino. And they're not that much more money, are they like three nine nine or something? Uh the full size yeah, four four nine, so pretty okay. much.
3: But they do a gold top one now, which looks awesome. Do they?
1: Gold top casino. <laughs> what?
3: Yeah. That yeah, gold alike. top casino it's a limited edition model with cream pickup covers uh no it's still the um
1: it's still the chrome wow chrome hardware pick okay. pickup covers gold top casino I'm kind of into that oh yeah that sounds amazing yeah anyway we got really far off track so what would you um what would you go for a squire classic vibe or epiphone at the moment
2: um did uh, did you say it was just the Les Pauls Matt in the sale at the moment? Yeah, I think so. Oh, I, thought it I was think on it's everything.
3: Anything, no, I think it's just on the Les Pauls, oh. from what I've seen.
2: Oh, rubbish. Since um, Les
3: Paul did play
1: a uh, Les Paul, Oh uh, uh,
2: yeah, yeah. But I thought it was I thought it was something more than the Les Paul sale. Now, anyway, it, um, I would I think considering the prices. And just considering I've completely exhausted the Vintage Modified and Classic vibe range. Go for Lespool. Les Paul. <laughs> I'm kind of waiting for them to release something else at the yeah. moment. But yeah, I, I mean, if the Joe Bonamassa Les Paul was in the sale, I'd definitely pick one of those up. They were amazing. Go for one of the weirder ones, you know. Yeah. Matt, what are you saying at the moment? Epiphone Les Paul or Classic
1: Vibe? Uh, no,
3: I'd still have to go for a Classic Vibe. Uh... Um I did um plug the vibe um Simon Neals again the other day and I was like that guitar is just
2: so cool. It's so good. So, a Fiesta just... Red Maple Net. No, it's Rosewood. Oh, is it a Rosewood neck? Yeah, rosewood, rosewood board. Yeah. Yeah, they're um they're really, yeah. really nice. I, I still think in the classic vibe I'd have to go for the um uh, the Stratocaster that they do with a matching headstock in Burgundy Mist. Yeah, very
1: nice. 60s classic vibe Strat. Yeah. Um, let's do a couple more questions. Um, okay, Carl Henrik says, which clean amp do you consider as the most pedal-friendly amp under £1,000? Um, what's a good amp to use with pedals, Matt? You're the man to know. Um, I still think
3: for under a grand, probably a Hot Rod Deluxe. Um Although they can be, they have got like probably the most amount of clean headroom for like a standard amp on the market. Um,
2: I, mean, I I I'd have to disagree, mainly because I recently saw a um, a, a, a a an under thousand um, pound amp on the Gear Exchange on Facebook, uh, which is great for for clean. Um, I think it was a Morgan. <laughs> oh I see oh yeah
3: mine <laughs> <actually>. it, <laughs> it's, it's it's funny you say that because the reason that I sold that is that it it because I mainly play at home I don't really gig because it's 12 watts there isn't enough clean headroom in it um, so it sounds great at lower volumes but when I've had the chance to crank out more recently it, it just drives soon because I love the sound of a Princeton but actually it just sounds great if you're just plugging like a Strat in and then that's it um, and I think the thing is, if you are going to use a lot of pedals, especially drive pedals or delay pedals, you just need like tons of clean headroom. Um, but yeah, I mean, sometimes orange, but the thing is, I, I think whenever you're using a lot of delay, for example, well, I mean, the thing is, is that Rocker 50 has got tons of clean headroom. But as soon as you want to use the drive channel, you can't use any of the delays because everything just sounds a bit too mushy.
1: I mean, I'm I'm going to go with Hot Rod Deluxe as well. I just think it's the classic gigging amp, really. It's 40 watts, clean, um, channel sounds great. I think the drive channel is pretty, it's not great. I was going to say pretty poor, but it's not pretty poor. It's just not as good as it could be. But if you're using a ton of pedals in the front end, including drive pedals, then just don't use the drive channel on the amp. Just use your pedals to create the sound you want using the brilliant, clean sound that's in there
3: actually if you want an amazing gigging amp on the same run um because i finally had a chance to plug in the michael landau um just buy one of them it's amazing um if you want like a clean amp and you're going to run pedals into it that is definitely the best thing on the market
1: they've tweaked the drive channel haven't they so it's a hot rod deluxe with a tweaked drive channel no there's no there is no
3: drive channel um that's the thing it's Two clean channels, so two clean volumes, one with a foot switchable boost, uh, and then just bass, middle, treble, and uh, that's it.
1: As far as I'm aware, Um, yeah, they've tweaked the tuning, haven't they? Like, it it sounds different to a normal Hotter Deluxe.
3: Yeah, it sounds like harmonically a bit sweeter and it's a little bit more bass heavy. It's 60 watts, there's tons of volume. Um, but he uses quite a lot of pedals and he uses some odd drive pedals and fuzz pedals. So, and I think they're like 899, so it'd be a really good amp if you're just going to run pedals and you just want something really, really clean.
1: Yeah, yeah. Let's do one more question uh, and let's keep the answers fairly short. James says, your child tells you that they want to learn guitar. What guitar would you buy uh, for their first and which amp? Matt Knight, combination of guitar and amp for a beginner. We don't have any price uh, limitation. Well, it's a starter pricing. So let's say...
3: Custom guess, shop strat.
1: <laughs> yeah. And... A Morgan. A Morgan, yeah. Let's um, say 200, I'm, I'm 200-ish say for, pounds. For both? <laughs> yeah. That's tricky. Oh, uh, let's say I would 300-ish say, pounds.
3: Yeah, that's probably... I would say Squire Affinity Tele because tellies are awesome. Uh
2: and the Blackstar ID Core
3: 10. Definitely the best combo you can get at the
2: moment. Joe Branson, any thoughts? Uh yeah, I mean, I'd uh, you know, if it's a child in question, I might even consider um spending the very reasonable sort of 250 odd quid on one of the uh short scale Fender Stratocasters yep. that I bang on about so much they're—I they're, th- I think they're really, really, really cool guitars, and for the for the price point, they are unbelievable. If I was a kid and I was given a black strat with a torque guard and strung up with heavy gauge strings, with um with one of those what what's the name of the brand of the pickup? Uh DeArmond. Yeah, with a De Almond pickup in the bridge. I you know, I'd be pretty over the moon. They're very, um, very nice So indeed. I'd probably go for one of those and I mean, if I dunno, first the practice amps are all much for muchness really. I, I guess Blackstar offer a little bit more than most other people at the moment. Um I have a you know a much more of a soft spot for Orange however and I think as a kid looks at everything and Blackstar just look boring so I'd probably go for one of the little crush <laughs> prick <laughs> what are the orange crush pics <laughs> i wish this
1: video was uh, this podcast was video because matt Knight has just absolutely <laughs> collapsed um with that gents i think let's call it an evening um it's been a very very difficult ride to get this podcast done this evening thanks so much to our patreon backers uh, oh i need to read them out uh, uh, uh yeah oh it was going to be a funny voice wasn't it yeah that's and right a different one for each person <clears throat> uh, they people wanted some music in the background um but as this is very late when we're recording this and uh i'm not gonna have time to find any i'll just do some now what if i just Are do you a- ready Dum- Phil Thompson, Flop Flop
2: Flop Colin Anderson
1: not oh, did Matt Quine <laughs> If you want your name read out in such fashion, um, do join us at (laughs) patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds, where you're guaranteed an extra half an hour of podcast every week. Uh, And if you join our top tier, you get your name read out in that amazing way uh, every week on the regular um, podcast. And just to say, those are just the, uh, what I've labelled here as June Patreon backers, but they were everyone who'd paid up by the 1st of June. And I know some people have paid up since then. Um, You'll be included... Uh, when it ticks over into the next month. So uh, our podcasts in July, you'll be uh, you'll be in there. Thanks, everyone, for supporting um, us through Patreon. It's helping us do this. Hopefully, it will pay for a better internet connection so we don't have as many problems hearing Matt every week. Um, but we're going to get that sorted out by next week. Thanks for bearing with us this week. It's been a bit of a... Uh, um a tumultuous episode if you want to submit questions to the podcast or simply chat to other podcast listeners facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash guitar nerds forum you can join us on twitter at guitar nerds um you can join us on youtube uh, youtube.com forward slash guitar nerds videos where we've, uh, we've got a new one going up this week i think Hooray. top top 10 stratocaster facts you never knew um the, num- the one at number one is absolutely amazing um, and uh, you can all join us individually you can get me uh, at mark underscore random you can get matt at matt underscore nightsy. you can get joe at Joseph underscore nine hundred and our regular Pat- patreon contributor a regular podcast contributor j cross um at J-B-A-Y- B-O-Y? <laughs> J-B. uh, j b a y b y
2: j b j
1: b at one um thanks so much for listening I promise next week will be better and uh, this week's Patreon episode will be way better because we've got some brilliant questions. So join us on there um, and we'll see you next week. Thanks very much. Farewell. Cheers. Bye.